The following is a production of differentbrains.com. Hi, I'm Dr. Hacky Reitman. We have the pleasure today of having with us at Exploring Different Brains, Stacy Hoagland, who's an award-winning author, activist, advocate, and a million other things, as you will hear through this interview, a real champion for those of us whose brains are a little bit different. Welcome, Stacy. Thank you so much for having me. What is your advice for parents who are faced with the fact and the reality when they come to it that uh, their child is a little bit different, whether we call it a disability, a challenge, a special gift, but where they're just kind of not like everybody else, which I think if you add up all the different ways our brains are different, I think the so-called, quote, neurotypical is in the minority. But what advice would you have for the parent of the special needs child? Well, first and foremost, get hooked up with uh, parent support groups and other families. I can't um, overstate the importance of when my son was young joining an autism support group. Um, it was huge for me, uh, being able to know that I wasn't alone and that no matter how, how bad you're feeling, because it is a, a grief process. I mean, you know, anybody who becomes a parent is always has this thought that, you know, your son's going to be a superstar football player or an astrophysicist and it's going to be like this, you know, whatever. And that your um, daughter, maybe he's the first female president of the United States or whatever it might be. Um, and then when you discover that those dreams would be really challenging and probably not very likely to happen, there is a process that you have to go through in dealing with that. And the best place to be is with other families going through the same thing. Because guaranteed, no matter how bad you think it is, there's somebody that's going through something even bigger and, and more um, impactful on the family and the, the life that they had compared to what they're now faced with. So that's one thing. Um, being able to get your child into a good school program, um, observing their classroom. So many times a family will call me and with a concern about their classroom and I'll say, have you seen it? Did you go in there? Have you done an observation? No. You have to see it. You have to go. Um, because it might be as bad <laughs> as you're saying, but it might not be that bad. And it might be much more workable than that you might think it is. So that um, when you go to an IEP meeting, Individualized Education Plan meeting, which there's at least one of those a year, I very much encourage families to have at least two. Parents can call in a meeting anytime that they like. Don't go alone. Even if it's a neighbor, a sister, a brother, a spouse, a, you know, somebody else going with them. Because even myself as an advocate, you know, I've been an advocate for about 17 years now. If I walked into a meeting and they said to me, oh, he was under the desk this morning. Forget it. The rest of the meeting is over. Because I'm thinking, why was he under the desk? What did you do? What did you do? to precipitate it? What did you do after? What was going on? Oh my goodness, what were the other kids thinking? So I, I, can't, I can't participate with all my brain wrapped up in it. Um, but by having somebody there that can maybe calm me down, say, okay, we're gonna talk about that later, but let's, let's get back. Um, or somebody that can just 
not be so emotionally vested in the situation that can think more uh, subjectively about what the staff at the school might be saying is worth its pound of gold. Um, so being able to do that and, you know, parents have to advocate because frankly, our educational system is not funded the way it's supposed to be funded uh, in order to meet the needs of all the students. It's just not. And um, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. It just does. I've seen kids get amazing services, but I've, kids see, I've seen kids get nothing. And um, it's, it's, it's bad and it's sad that the uninvolved parent their kid, if you're lucky, your kid is getting a good quality education, but you're lucky. Because the, you know, I never, with my own son, I never filed due process with my, any of the schools he was in. But being the son of an advocate, they always assumed that I would. Um, and so they, I, he got a really good education and he went to public school all the way through. But it was because they knew that I knew what their jobs were, what their responsibility was, and that I always told all the schools he went to, if you need anything for him, you let me know, and I will climb up that pole to get it. I will either go buy it myself, I will call the superintendent's office if I need to. But making sure that a parent lets their school know, I'm in this too, I wanna work together, and if you need something that you don't have, you just let me know and I will get it. Um, when my son was going to middle school, and uh, you know, middle school is tough for all kids, and um, the, the the elementary and the middle school staff we were all together for a meeting and uh you know who wants to get the advocates kid so the middle school looked like oh my gosh i can't believe we're getting this kid and um i said look i see that it's a little freaky thinking that you're going to get my son and I, I get it i'm okay with that but i'm gonna tell you if you take care of my kid you will love me we will get along great but if you don't i will be on you like white on rice and so the ball is not in my court it's in yours. Um, so I hope that we play a good game of ball because it can really go either way. And they chose wisely and it was good. Talk a little bit about the something you face in your advocacy and in your legislative forays, the aging out process in Florida. Well, now we just switched over to everybody gets a standard diploma um, that came about this last legislative session in the state of Florida. And um, I have mixed opinions about it because you can call it a regular diploma, but if you don't have the course codes to get you into post-secondary education, you're still in the same place you were before. Um, so I think that it was kind of like putting the cart before the horse. It would have been good if we would have set up uh, programs that were modified completion points, meaning that um, somebody could go to a college that already had established programs that would modify uh, different types of certifications, like uh, culinary, you know, a cer a certification in the culinary arts, to be able to have a modified program so that when you do come out um, off standards, but with a standard diploma, there's something that you can go into that's actually going to have some meat to it, so that when you get that, that certification in culinary arts, you can go get a job with it. Um, I was talking to somebody from uh, a pretty large organization, uh, company that employs a lot of people in Florida, and when all that came about, and she said to me that she was a little afraid now because she said before, if I had somebody come to me for a job who had a special diploma, I knew automatically I'm gonna have to provide some extra support, 
I'm going to have to be very flexible in my thinking when I schedule them. Um, I'm going to have to provide accommodations, and I was good with that. Now, when people come to me with a standard diploma, I'm going to kind of assume you got this. And so she said, I'm going to have to do a lot more due diligence when I interview anyone because she said, I want to help. But when somebody that I hire kills my bottom line, they will be fired. And so, you know, it's, it's like one of those things that I think that the, the school's training of self-advocacy and disclosure really needs to be significant because these young people that are now graduating or aging out, as the case may be, um, really need to understand how they have to disclose their disability to potential employers in, able, in order to be able to get the accommodations that they need on the job site or else they're going to end up being fired. And, you know, anybody who gets fired, what that does to your self-esteem, your desire to try that again, why would you want to try that again? You just got fired. So we want them to be as successful as they possibly can be moving well, into the and workforce. Well, part of that revolves around making it more acceptable in society. Right. That when you do flag yourself, that it's not, uh, well, I don't even want to consider you, you know, because society right. needs to understand. And again, not to be a goody two-shoes, but it's good for business, it's good for the individual, and it's yeah. very good for society. You know, you also touch on the matter of uh, testing, and I saw one of your interviews on television talking about standardized testing. Why yeah. don't you address a little bit uh, what's going on with the testing, where it is now, where you'd like to see it go? Well, it's, it's still ugly. It's still what it is. Um, lots of testing, lots of, it's not even lots of testing as much as it is how much rides on the testing. Um, you know, retaining kids because they can't pass a standardized test um, that was not meant or was made to measure a student that thinks in any other way but the tunnel vision way that they think that I guess all kids are supposed to be in the center. And that includes the kids on the, on the other end that are those gifted, really superior intellect kids. It does a poor job with them as well. So it's, it really just tries to capture, I think, those kids in the middle of the road. And, um, you know, kids with special needs, it just, it doesn't make any sense. And I'll use my own son as an example. He did manage to pass the third grade. FCAT was FCAT back then, which I thought was frankly amazing because I thought, wow, it's, it's a hard test. It, it asks, and especially when you're, when you're thinking about autism, questions on that test are things like, what was the author thinking when he wrote this story? Well, that takes a lot of executive functioning a lot of inferencing, which people with autism generally, they really struggle in that. So not that he couldn't read a story and be able to tell you black and white, you want to, you're going to ask me a question about what's there, I'll tell you what the answer is. But when you have to extrapolate information that comes out of left field, most of which is based upon our background experiences, um, you know, it really doesn't measure the ability. But my son, he passed the third grade and then he did not pass it again. He didn't pass it all the way through graduation. Um, and he's in college with a 3.3, 3.4 GPA, um, highly successful in college and um, very hard. School is hard for him. He's not, you know, somebody with an IQ that's 130, 140. I mean, he fluctuates right around that 100. Um, so school is, is hard for him. Um, things what is are he hard. Interested in? Um, actually, film. Oh. He's in film. He's uh, due to start at the Art Institute in a month or so. But uh, yeah, he's very, um, it's interesting because 
when you spend time with him, um, you know, you see, you see where he has some challenges, but when he records and you watch what he's editing is his, his specialty. And when you look at what he's done, even me as his mom, I'm, I shouldn't be, but I'm still kind of shocked because he captures things on film that he doesn't seem to really even notice in life. And so I'll find myself saying, Zach, how did you, how did, why did you focus on the face? Or why did you focus on the other character in the shot? And he always has a good, good response and it always makes sense. So I'm like, okay, <laughs> you got this. I'll just be quiet. Um, bring him by here so we can all get to meet him. Yeah, he's, he's a good guy. He's, uh, but like I said, he's a very hard worker. And I remember when he was in high school and um, part of the other part with the, the, the testing is that if you don't pass, you have to sit in these remedial reading classes that they call intensive reading, uh, which I had told when he got to high school, I told the principal, it really doesn't matter how many times he sits in reading class, or if you have the best teacher in the United States of America teaching reading, it's not in line with the way he thinks and he processes. So it's not really gonna matter. I, you know, give you a lot of credit for trying, but it's, it's really not going to uh, make him pass uh, a standardized test. It does, his brain doesn't work that way. And of course it didn't. Um, and, uh, and then we got him, as soon as we were able to, we had him exempt from the standardized test, I want to say late 10th grade, um, because I thought it was ridiculous that he's going to be sitting in these classes instead of taking courses that were going to be towards the rest of his life, so, like, such as film. Uh, when I talked to his film teacher as a senior, we were on a committee together and she said, I love having your son in my class. And I said, yeah, he likes film. And she said, you know, I think that he could teach my class because he comes up, he keeps, you know, he likes data, he likes information. So he not only watches movies, he studies movies. He studies the angles and the lighting and the shots and the producers and the directors and the sound studios and the, just you name it, he studies all of that. And, and I think that, that too, you know, when a lot of parents and professionals even get frustrated over, you know, their child watching the same movie over and over, thinking that they're doing it because it's a self-stimulatory behavior, shouldn't really make that assumption because a lot of kids are studying it. They have a desire to memorize the script maybe, or to capture things. Like if, if my son watches a movie, and, uh, and there are many major motion pictures where this happens, where the glass is here in the scene, but then the very next scene, the glass is not there. He will pick up on that. Um, and that's why he's going into editing, because he can catch that stuff that the average mind may just miss. Just, but he's going to pick up on that. That's great. It sounds like he's found his niche, yeah. which is what all of us need to do. We need to keep searching for things till you find your niche and then harness that. And if you can make a living, as you say, doing what you love doing, right? and you really never have to work a day in your life, you're doing what you love doing, you're around people of like-minded nature, mm -hmm. and uh, you go from there. So it sounds like he's uh, well on his road. Yeah. And, you know, the way that I look at it is, as far as employment goes, um, I want him to be included in his employment. So even if it means a job at Publix or Walmart or Sears or Pennies or Home Depot, or whatever it might be, that's fine if that's where he wants to work. But I am a big proponent of being included, included with everyone else 
when it comes to your um, employment opportunities. And so if he can't make a go of it within the film industry, he will always have that as a hobby and something that he enjoys. And his friends are like-minded in that, so they enjoy it. They go out and they film and they, they love it. So if that's a pastime for him, and that's the way he chooses it to be with a job, because there's a lot of people that work at a job every day that they don't necessarily love going to, but it's a job in there. You know, it pays their bills and does what they need to do. And if that's who he is and he can spend his time when he's not at the job doing what he loves, that's fine too. I mean, yes, ideally I would love for him to be in the industry. And if he can make that happen, which he has some pretty good contacts, so I'm kind of assuming that he will. But if not, that's okay too. We're talking here with Stacy Hoagland, who's, as you can hear from this, is just doing so much for so many different people. What would you say in the world of disabilities of which you're a champion is the biggest single thing that perhaps someone who's not in the fray doesn't get that you'd like to tell them if you can think of something like that. I mean, what's the hidden pearl, if there is any, that you think society as a whole is like missing in the whole picture? Well, I certainly think that uh, particularly with autism, that people with autism are underestimated by parents as well as providers. I can't tell you the number of parents that I talked to, and myself included. When my son was young, he would constantly shock me with things that he would come up with. I'd be like, oh my gosh, that was awesome. Um, and so, you know, I used to say, shame on me. You know, I have to have higher expectations. So, um, you know, being able to raise the bar, to have higher expectations, to be able to um, give rigor to kids when they're in school, true rigor, not, you know, the, the, the same old nonsensical stuff towards, you know, going over, giving them mock FSA testing day after day and expecting that result to get any better. Um, but to actually, again, taking them where their strengths are and, and going in that door. It's like a kid who has a, just a learning disability, not autism, a learning disability. You will not make progress if you don't really look at their psychoeducational evaluation to see where are their strengths and going that way. The educator will become frustrated because they'll think, oh, we keep trying and it's not working. Well, yeah, it's not working because you're not capitalizing on the child's strengths. So that certainly is one thing. But the other thing is, is I cringe when, again, both parents and professionals talk negatively sometimes about their young child or their adult child with autism or any other disability in front of them as if they weren't there and they didn't understand. There was, I was at the Autism Society of America conference a couple weeks ago and there was a panel on the stage for one of the keynotes and the uh, person who was doing the interviewing asked the panel of people with variety, there were six different people with autism up there. So it was six different levels of autism. And um, there was a young woman that was using a communication device to assist her in, in being able to communicate her thoughts. And so the question was, if you could tell the audience one thing, what would it be? And her response was, stop talking about me in front of me as if I wasn't here. And I think that so many of us do it. And I sit in IEP meetings every day where, you know, when you're 14 years or older, you should be in your meeting. The student should be in the meeting. And um, if I feel that it's, even though the child is sitting there, and the child may not be able to verbally communicate, that everybody else is just talking about this person like they're not there. And I 
you know, I have a way of redirecting the meeting and I will, you know, I'll purposefully, you know, ask the student a question or I'll give them whatever accommodation I think that they need in order to participate. Um, because I, I mean, who would want to sit in a meeting for two hours or so and hear nothing about your deficits and what you can't do? Nobody should be um, put in that kind of situation. That's horrifying. I wouldn't want to sit for hours and have other people say, well, she can't do this and she can't do that and her clothes never matches and um, she never comes to work on time and whatever it is, nobody wants to. And so why would our kids want to go through that? And so I, I um, and I see it in classrooms where I'll be in a classroom and a teacher and a paraprofessional are talking about a student as if they're not in the room. And it's just, they're very disrespectful. So my number one thing is respect. And um, even when I have a parent who's really upset with the school, I always tell the parent going in, we are going to be respectful. Even if you don't agree with your teacher, we are going to treat them with respect. We're going to treat everybody with respect. Um, because if you don't do that, why would the other person want to work collaboratively with you? Um, so same thing when we work with our children and our young adults with disabilities. Um, everybody wants to feel that they're respected and their opinion matters and can't do that if we don't ask them what their opinion is and, and what they want. Now, did you write another book also? No, I'm working on it though. I have two. I have one that's going to talk about um, inclusion and how we've moved as a society from institutions all the way up to where we are today and really where we need to be in order to have a true cultural change uh, for individuals. And then um, another one on just how to really look at not, you, not only people with disabilities, but everybody, um, where your strengths are and how when you, when you do that, that's where you find, like I, went back, I go back to quality of life, that's where you find your happiness, is if you can capture your quality of life and, and, and what you love to do. Um, and if you, don't, if you don't have a meaning for your life, no matter what it is, it, it doesn't have to be grandiose. Um, I, in my uh, position as the state coordinator for partners in policymaking, I, the, part of what you have to do is develop a project about how are you going to impact the disability community where you are. And I tell them all, don't freak out. It doesn't have to be a project this big. You don't have to get a law passed. It could be this big. It could be about influencing your neighbors. It could be about influencing your school, um, influencing another family. So it doesn't have to be huge. It just has to be how you can impact others to really change the way they're thinking um, that's more in line with benefiting people with disabilities. And if you can get up every day and you know that what you're going to accomplish that day is not only good for yourself, but you're impacting others, where good stuff happens. Well, Stacy, thank you very much for being with us today here at differentbrains.com. We appreciate all the hard work you're doing so much for so many. Thank you. It's been a privilege. For more information, visit us at differentbrains.com.